welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to hang out with my good friend, uh, one of the best in the business, as you all know. He is Swipe a Cam at Swipe a Cam on Twitter. Swipe a, what's going on, my man? How are you? Man, I'm living. It's been a it's been an interesting week. Uh, watching a lot of NBA basketball, watching college basketball, and obviously you got the Final Four national championship on the way. So it's been a it's been a really good week of content. And uh, man, I, we got a lot of stuff we got to get to today. I'm not sure why the template changed, but there you are. Weekends with Swipers is back up on the on the docket here. Uh, how just this has been a crazy end of the of the season for the nuggets it's been a crazy ending for uh just just everything in the nba in general i I think it's some of for some everybody it has been anticlimactic but for the nuggets and and for everybody it has been anticlimactic i think where the nuggets have been like there there have been so many different areas where you would hope that things would would kind of crescendo and and they have these major matchups and you had Jokic and Giannis and Embiid and all of these crazy things and that that hasn't really happened or at least at least not to the degree I think that a lot of folks wanted uh we were really excited to be able to talk about the Jokic versus Embiid matchup on this particular podcast and that obviously uh, that, that that didn't happen. So I, I'm I'm curious how you feel about everything with this. Um, let's get into the recap of the week. What was the most disappointing thing of this week? Was it Embiid not playing? Was it Jokic being out these last couple of games and Denver kind of falling apart offensively? Where where, where are you at with with this particular week? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, Ron, is that. Getting to the Embiid stuff, Embiid was in a situation where there was an article that came out from Shams from The Athletic the day of the game, and it was from an interview he had done last the previous Wednesday when they played the Chicago Bulls. And next thing you know, we got this whole thing coming out about Embiid and how he feels about analytics and some guys are looked better than what they are. You know they can't play defense. He talked about the MVP, the way that he feels like he's been either – negatively affected by how the moving criteria has adjusted or now I don't think there should be pressure on me because I'm not a two-time MVP. I'm not a first-team All-NBA player. I haven't won anything. So why are you asking me about pressure? And then two hours later, we find out that of the three, there's four, there, so there was, there was three games in four nights. They had a back-to-back versus the Warriors and versus Phoenix. He played both of those games. Lost both. And then he gets a day off, and they have an opportunity to play in Denver versus Jokic. And the Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid, they decided that because of the calf strain he had, that they didn't want to put him in that game. But then he played the following game versus Luka Doncic and has played in the following game since that point as well. And looks like he's on track to play tonight. So we got all this talk and all this smoke in these articles where he was clearly referencing Joker. And then he was nowhere to be seen. There's an APV out for Joel Embiid. And you know what? It just is what it is. I'm not going to say that, you know, be disrespectful and say he absolutely got the competition, but I'll say that it was very interesting, Ryan, that he had all that to say. And then when the moment was there, he got a chance to play him, didn't show up. Yeah, it really is too bad. I, I 
it's hard to like call calling the kettle black here because Jokic obviously missed these next two games and it's tough because he he was ready. He was absolutely ready for that matchup. And I think Denver, of course, has been very cautious with Jokic at the end of this season, just making sure that he is as, as maximized for the playoffs as possible. But uh, it's one of those things where if you're a Nuggets fan and, and you saw what happened to Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets in Philly, you wanted to, the opportunity to get revenge. <laughs> Two months later, you wanted the opportunity to really pay it back. And it, it's too bad that Denver wasn't able to do that in full uh, they did win. They won the game, but it was it was probably way closer than the score should have been at the end because uh, they kind of collapse right in the, the final three minutes of the game or so and make it a game themselves. But I don't know, man. I, I, I was really hoping for uh, the different version of the Nuggets regular season that that just has not come to pass. Uh, but Look, Philly is in good position if you're, if you're thinking about the Eastern Conference right now. They are trying to avoid dropping to the four, but uh, if they're going to be the three seed, they're probably going to match up with the Celtics in the second round if they can get through the first. And I think they're going to probably play the Brooklyn Nets or, or a team like that in the first round. And that, that should be a relatively easy matchup for them if they just like are, are as focused as they possibly can be. So maybe it works out for them. Maybe that's fine. Maybe it's it's okay, but it does suck that it feels like there was a duck or at least something close to it. And I mean, I would have wanted to see Joker try to pay it back and whether he actually would have or not that we like, guess we'll just never know. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? I think that the biggest issue with the whole thing is that if you're going to do all that jawing and again, right. I did a whole episode about this literally like the day after it's not just that one incident. It was the fact that Embiid asked Ramona Shelburne about Nikola Jokic months before they played in Philly. So is he going to play? Is he going to play? Ramona Shelburne, this is like his Super Bowl. What she said on NBA Today. And then following that, he goes and plays the first game of a back-to-back versus the Golden State Warriors, takes an L, has an incredible game, 46-9-8. Loss. The first thing he does is ask Draymond Green, hey, you made this comment about Nikola Jokic being the toughest guard in the NBA. I want to prove to you that I'm an even tougher guard. And then you have an article that comes out the day of the game that you're sneak this and Joker again. And my whole thing is like, bruh, why you keep bringing this man's name up? And then if you keep doing it, then you got to show up and play. And so for you to only miss that one game. And again, Ryan, that's just weird to me. You didn't miss the following game. You didn't miss any other game. You didn't miss the back-to-back. That's the only game that you missed. And then, like I said, you keep asking about this man. You keep making comments about the man. So, for me, I think basketball, like, it's kind of motto motto. Like, if you feel like you're better, then you got to show up on the court and you can't just say it, you know. And, and again, people keep referencing that one game from January 28th. Well, again, there's 81 other games on the season. So, like, you have plenty of opportunity to show that you're better. And then you had another opportunity this time. So, it is what it is, though. So. Is what it is. It, it Tom, I think, I think makes at, at least a, a reasonably salient point here, where Jokic has never gotten into the business of trying to tear other people down. He's never, never talked about other players in a negative light. Everything he says about teammates is positive. Everything he says about opponents is positive. And like, this is this is sort of a a consistent thing with Embiid, where you can go back to the Ben Simmons stuff. You can go back to previous playoff losses that they've had, where kind of like trying to put out pressure 
on his team to perform a little bit better. And I think Jokic has, has really absorbed as much of that pressure as possible for his teammates when things don't really go that well. So I, it, it can be for uh, yourself. It can be for your teammates. It can be for your opponents, but it, it does feel like their, their personalities are just so drastically different with things like this. So it is what it is. I'm not going to uh, spend too much time on this one though, because there were a couple of other games uh, Denver, they, they obviously got that win against Philly. And even if it got a little bit close there, I wasn't ever really worried about it. Uh, but those next couple games where Denver loses to the New Orleans Pelicans without Jokic, but everybody else, uh, they, they have everybody else. And it's a good opportunity for those guys to show up and they didn't. Uh, and then the opportunity in Phoenix where everybody basically sits in the starting lineup outside of Aaron Gordon. And honestly, you got a way better effort and a way better more connected game in that particular contest. Which of those games would you prefer to talk about right now in terms of, hey, this is this is a good thing for, for Denver, a bad thing for Denver? What, what are you thinking about with those two? Yeah, I think the Pelicans game, there's not much to get to. B.I. was great. The Nuggets shot 0 of 24 from three outside of Jamal Murray. He was 4 of 10 from three. There's nothing to talk about there. I think that, well, let me not say that, nothing to talk about. I have no concern about the Nuggets overall. I think that was a game where they couldn't have shot more poorly. I think it's it's, it's impossible to shoot less than 0%, uh, unless, Ryan, you're aware of an NBA game where somebody shot negative in the percentage category. Yeah, I've tried before. Um, it's it's really hard. It's really right. difficult, but you can make it work. Right. <laughs> so I think what that is just the Pelicans are fighting for a playoff spot right now. The Nuggets are literally like – they've been they do, they're doing the coasting thing again where – I think that if Joker had to play, he could play, but it's just like we're gearing up for the playoffs. And Ryan, if I'm not mistaken, by the way, I think they played the Wizards. So they played the Nets on the 19th. Joker has played in Wizards, Bucks, and 76ers game. So since the 19th, it looks like today's the, the 2nd of April. I think Joker's gotten like 10 plus days of rest over the course of that period. So I think this is actually a very strategic move for them and why they have rested him, it sounds like, like it is. Again, even if it's like something that's nagging, for you to be able to have sat him as much as you have. Because then this week, Ryan, they got the Warriors tonight. They got the Rockets, the Suns, the Jazz, and the Kings. Now, if they take care of business, maybe they don't need to close out that last game. And then you basically get like five or six days because of the plan. I mean, Ryan, since March 19th, they basically could have snuck 20 days of rest in for Joker has to touch a playoff court. So that's huge. And then if you're able to maintain the first seed and stuff, so that for me kind of why I'm just not really tripping about it. I think um, I thought that the Suns game was really good to watch the fully healthy Suns take on a, you know, reminiscent of the uh, 04 Detroit Piston Denver Nuggets defense apparently uh, with Peyton Watson and Christian Brown just terrorizing on the court. So I think that's probably the better game to talk about. Yeah, let's let's uh, one one point on Jokic actually. Last year when he went for the 2000-1500, it was a, an amazing time. It happened in that 81st game of the season, then got to sit out game 82. Uh, that was a really big deal, but from the standpoint of he, he had to fight tooth and claw to be able to get Denver to 48 wins last year, and they did a great job of ultimately getting there, but it, like like you talked about not a lot of rest in that situation, not a lot of time to be able to take away from basketball, just refocus yourself, uh, have a little bit more energy heading into the playoffs. That's at least the 
the thinking here and making sure to prevent some injuries, some nagging stuff. Hopefully that's the case. Hopefully he's able to get into these upcoming playoffs as healthy as he's ever been. And being the top seed in the West, that I think that's afforded them the opportunity to do that in a really healthy way. Uh, but on your points on Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, I think Zeke Naji had a really good game against Phoenix too. That was really interesting to me. That, uh, and I know you have some takes on these young guys as well, and, and have shared your your visionary bench lineup for the 2023-24 season before. Uh, but you have those guys. I think Vlaco played a pretty good game too. Uh, there, there are some good moments from those young players against a really, really good team again in the, in the Suns. I came away from that game uh, really, really excited about the overall level of athleticism and perimeter defense that the Nuggets were showing in that game. It didn't really take away from my opinions of Phoenix because I think that when Denver's main guys come back, their their defense is going to get worse because Jokic, Murray, Porter, probably a worse defensive trio than Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Zeke Naji, even like even like just because of how athletic and versatile and uh, long and and I think talented they are in that category. But that's the reason why they were brought in, right? It's to, to really D up. Yeah. So, you know, in the summer, uh, I remember I did an episode with uh, Adam Adis from uh, DNVR, and, you know, he basically asked me for my take on Ishmael Kamagate. And I said at that time, I'm hoping this is not, I don't think it's going to happen, Ryan. So don't quote me as like, you know, this is, this is canon, but I'm hoping that, you know, we can get like a Bam Adebayo kind of ascension from Ishmael Kamagate at some point in time. So watching Peyton Watson, six foot eight with over a seven foot wingspan, Watching Christian Brown, who is Alice Caruso with great hair, you've heard me say many times. Watching them get the entire second half to go at Devin Booker and Kevin Durant was such a good reminder of what's in store, but also gives you Calvin Booth vision. Because, Ryan, when they were playing the Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and, and uh, uh, Zeke Naji lineups, they were getting after it defensively. Everybody was switching. They kept trying to put – Devin Booker kept trying to put Zeke on an island. And Zeke was not folding. Did he okay. wasn't folding. Did really well. And, like, again, he had one where he kept and tested so hard, like, Devin shot it over the square on the backboard. You know, he did get beat for a foul once. But – and then Peyton Watson, the entire – right, the entire second half was guarding Kevin Durant. Got multiple stops. And then he wasn't getting his hands in the cookie jar – he wasn't getting biting on the cheese, the football expression that don't take the stuff that's right in front of you, don't get baited. And then literally we're staying in front of him using this link, using this athleticism. And man, I'm sitting here like, bruh, they have so much, I would say like all NBA level defensive upside if they can lock into it. But that obviously takes like processing and time and commitment. But I came away so impressed with watching those two young guns. And again, Peyton ain't got real minutes in the NBA. And all of a sudden, he's going after like Devin Booker and Chris Paul and KD. I was really impressed with all those guys. It's fun. It's it's a fun opportunity for those guys to be able to, because it's kind of a low pressure situation, you know, where you don't have any starters out there other than Aaron Gordon. Uh, nobody expects you to win on the second night of a back-to-back on the road against a team like the Suns, where they've got as much talent as anybody in the league. And it was cool. It was really cool to see them really uh, just just rise to the challenge where 
you have a, a crazy matchup like that against Kevin Durant. And there are very few players in the NBA that can do a, a reasonable job of guarding that guy. And I want to make it absolutely clear. He still scored 30 points on 15 shots. So the dude is unbelievable. And, and, and he is, he is a scary player to think about when, and when you're thinking, Hey, can the nuggets actually match up with this? Right. Can the nuggets actually match up with this team in the playoffs? That's going to be tough. Like, but I mean, Denver's going to have to figure that out. And I right. do think that the way that Christian Brown has played specifically over these last few weeks has been incredible to watch. He has, I think, officially placed himself into that rotation of trust that Michael Malone has, has put out there because you need guys who can guard, just absolutely guard. And, and he just does it on a consistent basis against pretty much everybody. It doesn't have to be Kevin Durant. It doesn't have to be Chris Paul or Devin Booker. It could be any of them. And, and a guy like Christian Brown is going to really give Denver a major boost in the playoffs, just depending on how often they're, they're willing to use him. Yeah. Uh, again, watching watching Christian lock in, watching Peyton Watson really good, and and again, uh, Kevin Durant shot over Aaron Gordon a couple times over the course of that game. And in my brain, I'm just like, you know, I in my mind, I'm like, I know what their defensive holes are because they don't have a great defensive scheme right now. I don't think they're going to be good defensively because Chris Paul Booker. You're asking Kevin Durant basically be your best defender because DeAndre Ayton is not a great rim protector, so. I was watching this happen. I'm just sitting here like, dude, sometimes I just forget that Kevin Durant is like one of the 12 or 13 best players ever, one of the best scorers ever. When he would get that ball in that mid-range and then he would just do a straight turn over his shoulder, one dribble turn or just a pull-up, just like, man, he just they just, just gave him away. Why would you send him to the Western <laughs> Conference? Anyway. But I think it's going to be a really good series. I think if they have to play the Clippers or the Warriors in the first round, I, that's going to be must-see TV. hundred uh, percent. That like, Kevin Durant versus Steph Curry will be crazy. Kevin Durant versus Kawhi Leonard, who's actually playing really well now, that'll be crazy too. Uh, going to be fun. Going to be fun. Whoever whoever's in that four or five in the West, that's going to be the must-see playoff round. Uh, unless unless you're a sicko and want to see the Nuggets and the Lakers, where the Nuggets are probably going to win that in five, but. It is what it is. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to take that and run with it because nobody can argue with me on this podcast. It's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going we're gonna to come back to this uh, matchup that's going on tonight. We record, we're recording in the early afternoon here in the Mountain Time Zone because there is a game tonight between the Nuggets and the Warriors. And I'm very curious to get your thoughts on this and, and your thoughts on the Warriors in general. But first, everybody, this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Uh, you don't need to find a pot of gold to strike it rich uh, in the final game of the tournament. Instead, you got it. You can win money on your tournament wagers with Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best team of odds makers in the business, so they're the safe bet when it comes to sports gambling. You have a direct line to their experienced staff behind the counter in Las Vegas. They also have one of the most extensive betting menus around. So no matter what you want to wager on come tournament time, Superbook is sure to have it. Super, uh, download the Superbook Sports app now and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll.
and we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on this podcast. Joined by Swipe a Cam today on weekends with Swipe Up, our special episode. Really appreciate all y'all. Uh, make sure to give this a like on either the MHS YouTube channel if you're here or the Swipe a Cam YouTube channel if you are there uh, doing that simulcast and having a great time with it. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. All right. Let's now get into this game tonight between the Nuggets and the Warriors. It is at 6.30 Mountain Time. Uh, we didn't want to record Weekends with Swipe at 1 o'clock in the morning on the on the East Coast for you. Uh, so we're, we wanted to, wanted to be as kind as possible on that front. But we also wanted to be able to talk about this game at least a little bit. And we had to record this on a weekend because why else would it be Weekends with Swipe? So let's get into this now, Cam. Uh, you got the Nuggets and the Warriors. Obviously, the Warriors have been super disappointing over the course of the majority of this season, but it still seems like, like they're in the five seed right now. They are have an amazing home record. It is the second best home record in, or third best home record in the entire NBA behind the Grizzlies and the Nuggets. Uh, their road record, though, is 9 and 29. They have a worse road record than everybody in the Western Conference, but the San Antonio Spurs and the Houston Rockets. Uh, That is a crazy disparity. It is a crazy thing to think about. And the Nuggets played the Warriors, and the Warriors are going to be on the road in, in this game tonight. So when I tell you those things, what initially stands out about the Warriors from this season? What stands out about this matchup? Uh, you know, this is one of those things, Ryan, where I I want to have respect for the legacy of the Warriors, and so I'm very aware of who they are and what they've done. But if we're just having a basketball conversation about a team this year, they have looked very mid for most of the season. Uh, their defense has not been good and not been consistent. Their offense has not been good, not been consistent. Um, they're giving up a crazy amount of points um, on the road as well. Steph Curry's been brilliant this year. He's had some nagging injuries, been injury prone at times. Clay Thompson has had some really, really high peaks. Uh, he's been playing pretty well, especially since January started. Um, Jordan Poole is on the rise. You know, he did not start off, well, really three-fourths of the year. He hasn't played super well, um, but he's kind of having a good last quarter of the year. Obviously, you got Draymond, you got Kwan, Looney. And they got, you know, Gary Payton back. They got Kaminga off the bench. You know, they're not playing Moses Moody a lot. And they got DiVincenzo, like, they have some nice pieces, but they're also really small, right? So I'm hoping that if Jokic does play today, that they're sending another message to the rest of the West. Like, look, we just demol- we just we just actually like throttled the Milwaukee Bucks the other day when they came into town. And we were prepared to do the same thing to the 76ers. And we are going to make another statement today. Like, this is a different team, this is a different year, and we are the best team in the West. And so Murray, I know, like playing against Steph Curry. He had a really good game versus Steph last game. Steph also had a really good game, that, that, that game as well. Um, so I'm really curious to see how tonight looks if everybody plays. It's going to be another nationally televised game, NBA TV, nationally television. Um, so we'll have to see, man. But I think it's going to be a good game. And if everybody plays, I do expect that the Denver Nuggets can pull the victory out. But I know the Warriors were also trying in that playoff spot. Right now, they're a half game up of six on the Clippers. And they are a game out of the plan with the Pelicans right now. And the Pelicans are making a little late season run. And the Lakers are obviously, they are about a game and a half back in the five seasons as well. So, yeah, we'll have to see. 
So what you're saying at this point is that this game really does matter for, for this Warriors team. And it's going to be interesting to see what they bring. It's going to be interesting to see if they go full bore in a matchup where they could potentially face the Nuggets in, in a in a 1-5 matchup if that were to happen. But uh, looking at the injury report, as of this moment, uh, Andrew Wiggins is obviously still out for personal reasons. Andre Guadalla is out. He's had left wrist surgery. He's he, I think he's done for the year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but Wiggins, uh, it's it's a, a weird absence, obviously. There's, there's some stuff going on behind the scenes there that – uh, the Warriors have clearly felt it's it's well within his prerogative to take time away from the team and very weird to kind of comment on that in general. But uh, it's it's been a it's been a tough loss for this Warriors team. Their starting lineup when it's fully healthy with with uh, Andrew Wiggins in it is really, really good. And it, it may be the best in the league from a from a net rating standpoint. So that's a tough one. That is a tough one to have to navigate for them. But uh, for the Nuggets side of things on their injury report, let me just get this right. Jokic is questionable tonight. Uh, he may play. He may not. Zeke Naji also questionable uh, with a right knee sprain. That is a little bit different from what I expected. But Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, KCP, those guys are all probable for this particular game. So that is at least interesting to think about uh, from a health standpoint. But let's get into this now. Uh, obviously, we're, we're going to assume that the guys play. We're going to assume that Denver's healthy enough and that they they take this game seriously. And I think that they do want to take this game seriously. They want to try to lock down this one seed as soon as they can. We'll talk about that in the third segment a little bit more. But Nuggets offense versus Warriors defense, assuming obviously Wiggins is out, if they go Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, Andrew, or Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney, Looney will probably guard Jokic. Draymond will probably guard Aaron Gordon. And if Denver has their full uh, complement of players, I assume that Steph will probably guard Jamal Murray and then Clay Thompson will probably guard Michael Porter. But it could be a little bit different from that. And, and I think whoever guards or whoever Jordan Poole is guarding is probably going to be a target on a lot of these actions. So what do you think about from the Nuggets offense trying to score on a team like this without Wiggins in the lineup? Uh, if Steph Curry is guarding uh, Jamal Murray, then I'm asking Jamal, I need you to absolutely try to take him out in the first quarter. And I don't mean take him out like take him out because he's a bad defender necessarily, but I'm saying make him as tired as possible, which obviously Steph Curry is in incredible shape. Jordan Poole, uh, you know, if you're on KCP, you know, that little DHO action that they like to run in the mid-range for KCP, I can definitely see them utilizing that. Um, maybe even taking advantage of the fact that he can come downhill a little bit more because Kevin Kevon Looney is going to be so pressed against Jokic and then Poole, who's not a good defender, might be trailing uh, a bit of distance. So, you know, we'll have to see. You know, I think the thing is that the Nuggets are going to be able to score versus this team, and they're probably going to be able to score a lot of points versus this team unless they are just – unless the last two games are telling me basically is who they are. They're just going to be a terrible three-point shooting team the rest of the year. Um, I think they're probably going to even have a little bit of a variance hit tonight where they have shot so poorly they're going to shoot really well. Michael Porter Jr. couldn't hit a shot the last time. He was in Denver shooting the basketball, and that's just not him. So Porter is going to be another X factor. He's been an X factor in this series so far, um, but I think it's going to be a it's going to be a four quarter game because I think the Warriors are going to make it a four quarter game. So they're going to have to come out and they're going to play well. They don't, do they have to play their A game? Maybe not necessarily, but they're going to have to play at least their B to B plus game. I think to make this a game they can win by single digits come fourth quarter. Yeah, and there's no doubt that that this Warriors team with the way that Draymond plays defense. Clay has been a little bit better 
over the course of the season. He he definitely wasn't good for a long time, and Poole wasn't good and hasn't hasn't really been good for most of this time. But it does. Like, Steph is actually a good defender now. Like there's there's no doubt in my mind about that. That he will make some plays against Denver. He'll probably get a steal or two against a Jokic pass where Jokic didn't really expect him to be there. And this this is if Jokic is playing, of course. But if everybody is healthy for the Nuggets, I, I still feel like this Warriors defense is going to really struggle with them. Dante DiVincenzo, good defender. Jonathan Kaminga, figuring things out on the defensive mm-hmm. end. Gary Payton II, now he is back in their rotation by the looks of it. So they've got some reinforcements off their bench Jamichael Green, too, who, who seems to have found at least a little bit of a rhythm here. But uh, that Nuggets offense, it's still like anytime Jokic plays, it's hard for me to say that they're going to be slowed down by anybody. I, and especially if you don't have the length and athleticism to really match up with them, which I don't think the Warriors do. It's tough. Like It's just a really tough thing for, for that team to kind of try to guard them. I have a question. Sure. Ryan, you know, you're a great rider. Great journalists, uh, do a wonderful job, great analysts. Um, I have a question. You know, you've been around Joker for a number of years now. Do you think Joker, at the end of the game, he drops a nice, cool 35, 15, and, and 12, do you think he's going to walk up to Draymond after the game and ask him, am I the tougher guard uh, over Embiid? <laughs> no, he's going to be like, have a good day, brother, and then go back. <laughs> he's going to leave. <laughs> he's going to be like, all right, good luck for the rest of the season. <laughs> it's crazy that, oh man, it, it would be funny if he did that, though. I really, I really want to see the video clip of Jokic going up to Draymond Green saying something into his ear, and Draymond just bursting out laughing of like, right. uh, act, Act like I said something about Embiid, and right. then just burst out laughing. That would be what. Totally what's the pettiest you've ever seen Jokic be? Um, it's the stat padding comment. Definitely, yeah. it's the one where oh man, if you're if you're stat padding, like it's really easy to get a hundred triple doubles. Like right, it's like come on, man, <laughs> freaking nuts! It is is unbelievable what this has really come to. This conversation, everybody has their own islands. Every and I, I'm mm. I'm a part of one. That's for sure. Uh, but it does feel like it's become so polarizing, and, and it shouldn't have to be. Like these guys are just like Jokic has just been chilling this entire right. time. It, it is not difficult to try to like. Oh man, it, it it shouldn't be this hard for people to like Nikola Jokic. Like that's right. that's crazy. It's crazy to even possibly. Think well, you, well, you know, you know somebody that I think I've been most surprised with that I've just accepted. He is. He covers the the, the Kings with Demontis Sabonis. It's Mark Jones. I had no idea until a couple of months ago that he just was not a Jokic guy. I, and I and it was the first one was when he said that he prefers his his MVPs to play defense and had a picture of Ja Morant, which <laughs> I thought was ludicrous. Sick, and then <laughs> and I'm just like, are you trolling? And then I kept looking. I'm like, he he legit like just. Which is so crazy because he's called so many Jokic games over the years. And I was like, oh, I thought he was a fan. And then this whole time, he's been just like, no, he's not that great. Literally last year, Jokic gave the Kings 50, 12, and 8. <laughs> like, right. It, that happened. That absolutely right. happened. It is, it's crazy. Like, Mar- I, 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 am, I am not a Mark Jones fan. I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. But um, let's get back. Um, this, is, this is probably why I'm not a Mark Jones fan. The Nuggets defense versus the Warriors offense. Um, <laughs> This is obviously the the defining matchup for this particular game, a perspective right. series. I don't think there's going to be any issues with the Nuggets scoring on the Warriors. 
What I do think there will be issues with is can the Nuggets get enough stops against a perimeter-oriented team that has three off-the-dribble scorers that can do everything under the sun from a a perimeter-oriented standpoint that is really impossible for many teams to guard and not just the Nuggets, but but obviously there's, there's a very polarizing man in the center of Denver's defense. Yeah, I mean, I heard that Jokic is the only elite center that can't stop Steph Curry in a pick and roll, and I just watched them do the same thing to the other guy who's considered the best center in the league. So anyway, um, tonight, yeah, what's going to happen when they do go to these actions, especially in the fourth quarter, and they're trying to get Steph Curry or Jordan Poole switched on to Jokic. They're trying to go downhill at him. Will he be able to stay at the level? Is he going to keep them from going around the corner? Is he going to make sure they can't split the double team? It's probably going to happen maybe once or twice, but can he at least in the fourth quarter do a good enough job? And, Ryan, you actually had a really great stat pool the other night when you were just talking about Jokic's at-the-rim percentage when he's defending layups and dunks. And you actually made a great point that I think he's allowing 56 point, 56% at the rim in the fourth quarter, which, yeah, that's not great, but it's not bad. But, like, it's it's actually above the average. Like, that's, right. that's pretty decent. And, and the, let me clarify for everybody. The stat was within six feet of the rim. So basically, yeah. if you get to a short floater, which somebody like Jokic probably isn't going to block, if you get to all the way to the rim, if you're kind of like pivoting around, trying to shoot something around somebody, like Jokic in the first, second, and third quarter is actually pretty bad when it comes to his at-the-rim defense. But I was I was very curious when, when somebody asked me about that, and so I, I tweeted about him like, Man, this is actually, it kind of makes sense for him to be better in the fourth quarter. And then I got plenty of hate from everybody. Like, how dare you try to come to this guy's defense and have some nuance? The, in the craziest year. How craziest dare year. you? It's crazy. It's so, it's so weird how this whole season has gone where I think people were so, people were assuming because of Jokic's level of play that he was going to win his third straight. And nothing changed. Just the narrative around it got so weird. And now, like, Kirk Goldsberry putting articles out about him at the rim and all that. Stuff. But right, I've been asking people, well, if they're a top seven defense the last 50 or so games, how is that? Like, how can you be the number two clutch defense in the NBA if your biggest player can't play any defense? So, but it's just the way the narrative to take in control. But again, this is going to be a narrative game. Because if Joker can show up and play defense today, then people are going to be like, well, he's shown he can do it once. You know, can he do it in a playoff series? So anyway, we'll, we'll have to see. I think they're going to come out. They're going to play well tonight, though. In, in the comments, truth teller, bro, I have, I have seen all of your comments about Embiid being a, a bad rim protector. I understand. I have seen it, and I, I am not going to acknowledge it because I also think that Embiid's going to raise his game in the playoffs. Like, he, he's also load managing during the regular season, bro. Like, it, this, is, this is a thing where if you're a center in the NBA, it's really hard. It is really hard to be a great rim protector and carry an offense. And Embiid has struggled with that this year, just as Jokic has. I understand that. I'm also not going to complain and moan about it if somebody says that Embiid is a better rim protector than Jokic because he is. He is. It's mm-hmm. fine. Like it's not. It's not a big deal. Like I understand. So, okay. Aside from the point, Denver's going to have a hard time defending the Warriors, but they may not have as hard of a time as people want to say that they will. If you yeah. have Bruce Brown in the lineup, Christian Brown in the lineup off the bench. Denver's going to be able to get to these rotations where they are a little bit better from the perspective of uh, switching and guarding and going one on, like being able to like force the Warriors to get into one on one stuff. And if Jokic is off the floor, then 
if Zeke Naji plays, then they'll probably be able to switch just about everything. So hopefully that maintains. Obviously, the Warriors are still going to score like crazy, but that's fine because the Warriors in Denver will probably still score more. That is my impression. Right. Um, bench lineup versus bench lineup. How do you feel? So the Warriors, they have been staggering Curry a little bit more with mm-hmm. the bench uh, to go with uh, uh, DiVincenzo, with uh, Gary mm-hmm. Payton, with Michael Green, and with uh, Kaminga, like all of those guys. And all of those guys are, are helpful rotation players and, and can can build up a better bench. And I think when you put Steph with that group as opposed to Jordan Poole with that group, it's obviously going to be a little bit better. I honestly think that Jordan Poole's just been a little bit better as the season's gone along from an offensive standpoint too. So what do you think bench lineup versus bench lineup? If Murray plays, Denver probably goes Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, uh, one of Vlaco or Jeff, probably Jeff, and right. then Zeke Nagy. Uh, who, who is the advantage there? Well, if Steph Curry's on the court, it's probably going to be the Warriors. But the thing that people are sleeping on with the Denver bench is that they actually play really good defense collectively. That's probably one of my favorite things about them. So if Murray comes out and he has one of those like 15 or 16-point first quarters or 12-point first quarters, that's going to bode well for the rest of the game. And again, Murray likes to play against Steph Curry because Steph Curry's the best at his position. So I think that you can see them win some of these lineups today. And I think that in the second half, especially when they kind of get their confidence and they get a little bit of a groove. Um, the thing is they get, you can get turnovers on the Warriors and we know that that bench unit can run. They love to run and they're not a big bench team either. So the thing is, if you could get enough stops and you can get the shots off the rim or turn them over, man, then you can get out and you can run on them because they don't have a defender that's going to really keep you from getting to the basket. So it's just going to be a lot of, we already know it's going to be Jamal Murray pick and rolls. Maybe they do more staggers today, and they just do staggers that are right at half court and just trying to get him coming downhill and see if they can get some actions created. But I think there's a really good opportunity for them to win these minutes, but it's more than likely still going to be close, especially if Steph is you know, playing well. It should be interesting. Uh, obviously, Denver, like they're going to be – they're going to be scrambling to try to guard that dude. They're going to be scrambling scrambling to try to guard Clay and uh, Jordan Poole. There's just so many threats there that if all of the other role players are also hitting their threes at a 40% clip, that's going to be really tough for Denver to guard. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think that most likely that bench lineup is going to give the Warriors an edge. But if Denver can win those starter minutes by at least 10 or so, then I don't see any reason why – uh, that this shouldn't this shouldn't be a win for Denver if they can just consistently play at that level. But maybe they won't, and, and maybe Jokic won't be as as fully engaged as as he probably could be because, like like we talked about, it's this is now game seventy eight of the regular season. I'm not surprised if he isn't going full bore in in these particular games either. So I, I think it'll be different when the playoffs roll around. But we're gonna have to see for each of these teams uh, you- just how much they give. Do you think if Jokic comes out with the same intensity he did versus Brook Lopez, do you think that's a possibility at all? Oh, I think it's a possibility. I mean, I, I think if if Jokic is is fully locked in and engaged from a I'm going to score on you perspective and, and I am not going to let you off the hook, then he could probably score 40 against this team. There's no doubt about it. Uh, right. I don't think he could have scored. I, I guess he could have scored 40 against the Bucks if he really wanted to, but it's a little bit easier against the Warriors because of their lack of size, because he will give Kevon Looney buckets. He's going to get him out of position. He just knows that matchup really well. And then with Draymond, I think he knows that matchup a lot better now too. And Draymond will probably have a little bit more success, but 
one of the great things about the Warriors defense was that they were helping each other so much and had a little bit more wing size with a guy like Wiggins out there. So Wiggins, better defender, oh better help gosh. defender than a guy like Jonathan Kaminga if he's going to rotate there and certainly like Jordan Poole if he's out there. Right. So on the year, Jokic is only averaging just a paltry uh, 24 points a game versus the Warriors, but he's averaging 13 rebounds, 13 assists in the two games, 61.5% from the field, 50% from three, 94% from the line, and he's a plus 23. So, uh, you know, pretty good. Uh, maybe, maybe account us for good things to come. Hopefully so. I, I, I would love to see Murray go off. I, I think he played pretty well the last time Steph came to town. And then Michael Porter, when he went in that second game of the season that I remember, Michael Porter played well, KCP played well, Bruce Brown played well. So hopefully everybody plays, hopefully everybody has a good run and then can use this as a nice tune-up for the rest of the season. Should be fun. Right. All right, let's take one more break. When we come back, we're going to go rapid fire through this next segment of uh, just, just everything involved with previewing this next week. Denver's only got five more games on the season. Should be very fun. We will be right back. And we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. The YouTube audience is like, what the hell? You didn't actually leave. You didn't actually go anywhere. But we're we're chilling. We're hanging out, having a good time. Um Let's preview this next week, Cam. Let's uh, let's look at these next five games. I've got them up on the screen right now. Uh, the Nuggets will play on Sunday today versus Golden State. Then they will go on a three-game road trip and go up against the Houston Rockets, the Phoenix Suns again, and then the Utah Jazz before wrapping up on a back-to-back at home against the Sacramento Kings. Now, other than the Golden State game, which of those games stands out as the most important game on Denver's schedule for the rest of the season? Um, no troll, probably the Rockets and Jazz. Yeah. And the reason is because you just need to get wins. And if you secure those wins, you likely walk in the one seed. And then if you decide that you want to rest versus the Suns again, you can. If you decide you want to rest versus the Kings again, then you can. Because you get those two wins um, on top of the night, you're more than likely going to lock down the one seed pretty decisively. And then you could just take all of that momentum into the play-in, get that rest, and then go into the playoffs. So I think from a team chemistry standpoint, probably those games just because of your status. But, you know, if you want to make a point, maybe the Suns game. But I, I really don't know if – and that's a TNT game, by the way. So I have no idea if they're actually going to show up to play that game or not. It'll be interesting to see if they don't. Um, but here, here's a situation from a standings perspective, more, more to your other point. Denver is now 51-26. and 26 on the season and Memphis who is right behind them is at 49 and 28. They are two games back in the standings, but technically they are three because the nuggets have a tiebreaker over them having won the series against them two to two to one. Now that is extremely helpful in a situation like this, where you have five games left to go. So if Denver gets two more wins, then that means that the Grizzlies have to get five wins, go five and zero. Oh the rest of this time in order to pass Denver in the standings and they have to pass them. They can't just tie them under no circumstances. If they tie, will the nuggets be uh, the, the second seed? They will be the first seed in pretty much every single situation, including a three-way tie with Sacramento. Although I don't even know if that's even viable anymore. I guess it is. If Denver 
if Denver goes one and four, Sacramento goes five and zero, oh, and then Memphis goes uh, just tying them at three and two, basically. Then there is a three-way tie, which goes to the division winner. All three of them would be division winners. And then that goes to the shared record between those three teams. I don't know if that flips anything around. I, I think it's still Denver in that situation because they are now currently three and two against those teams. But it, it is what it is. That might shift in those last games. It's a it's a weird situation that the Nuggets don't really need to worry about. The fans don't really need to worry about because I don't think the Nuggets are going one and four over the course of these next five games. Uh, but my thinking on this is if they get this Warriors win, it takes the pressure off so much. You do not have to... Uh, focus too strongly about any of the next four individual matchups. Houston's going to try to lose that game. Utah, I don't know where they're going to be at, but they they may try to lose that game too. And then if you're Sacramento, you are probably locked into the three seed at that point. And if that's the case, they ain't playing anybody on that last game of the year, unless it's for a bonus. And then that player is definitely coming off of the court five seconds into that game. So it'll be interesting to see. For, for each of those individual ones, but I am not worried about Denver's ability to get the one seed. I know that there are other people that are. I am not worried. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. You know, I think a lot of this just comes down to your chemistry. I think people are sometimes a little – I think because of the way that uh, Nuggets fans have had to deal with the Nuggets, they are just – we're always like, looking for the – the worst possible outcome. I mean, I think now with the first seed stuff, people are doing that. And I just think people got to realize, man, they have been playing so freaking well all year. And they're in a position where they can coast and rest when they need to. And I think they're maximizing that. And I think that's exactly what they're doing. So, you know, we'll see how it ends up going. I don't think they're going to lose the first seed at all. Um, but, yeah, I think those games against those teams that are not trying to win, those are going to count a lot towards where you finish the season. So, in that – uh, I think the game that I'm looking forward to the most is, is this one tonight against Golden State for obvious reasons. Like it's the team that eliminated you previously. Uh, there's going to be a lot uh, on the on kind of riding for Denver just from a, a get back on track. You just lost two games in a row. Don't turn it into a losing streak here. And if Denver can approach these playoffs in, in a way that's healthy uh, from a physical standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint, I think they're going to be just fine. I, I'm not. They're, they're not going to worry about any of this other stuff. Should be pretty simple. Should be pretty straightforward. Uh, let's now move forward to the non-Nuggets game of the week. I have this as Grizzlies at Pelicans on Wednesday. Uh, this is one where if you are the Nuggets, as long as the Grizzlies, and I'm, I'm sorry that the uh, <laughs> April 5th is now is on its own line here. Um, if you are the Grizzlies, you're on the second night of a back-to-back on that night, same as the Pelicans. That's a big one because if you really want to fight for the one seed, then you will play in that game and you'll try to win it as hard as possible. If you are okay with the two, then you might rest everybody. And the Pelicans, who really need to win that game for themselves, they might decide, yeah, we are good. Uh, we, we are going to go for this one. And if you're if you're the Grizzlies and you're not fighting hard, then that might make it easier for the Nuggets even even to clinch the one. I don't think the Grizzlies want the one themselves. They don't want to be in that four or five matchup against them or like against Phoenix or Golden State or the Clippers or whoever is in that particular group because I think they prefer the side of the bracket that has the two, the three, the six, and the seven, which is Sacramento, 
one of those three teams that I mentioned, and then maybe Minnesota or New Orleans or even the Lakers in that situation. I don't think that they are super like they're they're not trying to get the one seed if if i'm being honest they're they're probably going to be fine getting the two and they're probably going to rest in that game if i'm being honest yeah and again man the pelicans are gunning right now they want everybody they're out for blood um, because they want to make the playoffs see if they can do what they did to the suns last year and, and put a scare on them like a real one so i think the pelicans right now i think it's zion is, is he able to come back in the playoffs i think if uh they ended up actually making it that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. They're saying he's getting closer. Uh, I mean, just from from watching him on the bench against the Nuggets, it, it I mean, he didn't look like he was particularly close. Just from mm. a, a we'll, we'll see, we'll see. But I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a really good game. But even will if they do decide to play Brandon Ingram, been a top ten player the last nine games of the year, so he might keep that up. And if he keeps that up. Then you know it's going to make a lot of a lot of issues for them, and then obviously you've got Valachunas and Herb and CJ has shot decently, so that's going to be a good game. And I think the Pelicans can pull that one out, given the given the stakes that are at risk. Memphis just doesn't have the same level of things to play for. Nuggets fans obviously rooting for New Orleans, make it easier for the Nuggets to clinch the one, and then you could potentially rest in those last couple of games of the season, not have to worry about clinching a game at at that point. So that's one to watch if you are a Nuggets fan. But now let's move finally to takes from the future. My take this last week was that Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, given their title or given their MVP odds, I thought that those would flip uh, heading into this weekend because I thought that Jokic would play and and, and beat Embiid and, and the Nuggets would beat the Sixers and things would move in that general direction. I'm going to go to uh, just try to see some odds right now. I don't think that this thing has moved that much. It was briefly with Jokic for a while, but it looks like right now on, on various outlets that Embiid is now favored once again by, by a, a relatively significant margin. Um, do you remember your take from last week? I don't even think so. I honestly don't remember <laughs> what it was, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I do think that Denver – had they they would have been they, it would have been really interesting to see if those odds had flipped like and and how hard they would be going in these games and if they'd want Jokic well, to play in these games. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't think they do though. Yeah, I think the issue though with this whole thing is that they the betters they never they just don't know what they're they're talking about right now just because this draw poll just came out and Jokic had the most first place votes and obviously you know Embiid had the most second and there was a two game there two point difference but I mean this just last three weeks man the narrative like from all these people just like, you know, it's just Embiid's turn and all that kind of stuff. It's just been so like, it's just, it's not actually based on basketball at times, you know? So, I mean, we'll see. I still think that Jokic had the chance to pull it out and win um, just because he's even NBA.com. He's been the number one leader on the leaderboard since the middle of December except for two weeks. And he got back this last Friday. So I don't know, you know, it's just, just been a weird, it's been a weird conversation the last month. My, New take from the future now, and let's let's get into these now. I'll give you time to think of your own. Mine is that the Nuggets are going to clinch the one seed on that non-Nuggets game where the Grizzlies rest against the Pelicans, willingly give up the opportunity to chase the one seed. The Nuggets win these next couple of games, and then the Pelicans win that game against the Grizzlies, and then Denver's going to be celebrating clinching the Western Conference home court throughout the playoffs on a day that they didn't actually play, and it's going to be hilarious. 
Yeah, I also uh, think that they're going to clinch the one seed this week. You know, whether it happens in the Pelican game, we'll see. But it could happen. It could happen by that Suns game right before that, but even maybe a little bit sooner. So really around that Rockets and Suns game, so maybe April 5th, um, I can see them clinching to one seed. So I think they're going to do that this week as well. If the Grizzlies do win that matchup, then if uh, like then it puts the pressure back on Denver to win that next day at Phoenix. So if Denver did win at Phoenix to clinch the one, that would be a pretty interesting statement to make. But Jan, do you really want to make statements in that particular game? Are you trying to make statements? Are you trying to make some enemies without? I don't. I don't really think so. So it, it'll be interesting. Maybe. Hey, hell, maybe Phoenix decides that they want to rest in that game and they could they could pay Denver back a little bit. Well, we haven't seen Jamal Murray and Devin Booker, I think, but for four minutes this year, I think. Yeah. Before he went down with the hamstring injury in that game on Christmas, right? So, right. man, we've been waiting since 2021 to watch this again. So, I think that I am most excited for that if that does happen in the playoffs. Man, that would be fun. I just, like, Jamal's record against Devin Booker is just a crazy thing. I think it's like 17-3 and three now or 18-3. and three. Uh, that's, Right. That's so funny. And, like. I know that Devin Booker thinks about that. So we will see if that continues to go. But either way, Swiper, you've been fantastic on this episode. Really appreciate all your insights as usual. Uh, everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. Michael, can you hit that outro music for us? Um, that is going to do it for this episode of Pick Axe and Roll Weekend. Swiper edition. Wrap up for the season. And he's gone. Man. <laughs> can, you, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, no, look, I'm just excited. I just want to see everybody be healthy. I, I also don't care about nothing else. Is the playoffs healthy? That way you can make all the statements when statements are needed to be made and not in articles and sneak dissing players and other teams. So get to the playoffs healthy, make playoff statements, and get ready to go. I love it, man. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Hit that like button on the way out of Swiper's YouTube channel. Uh, the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Thank you so much. Uh, give us a like, and we will talk to you guys next week.